This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Good morning everyone. How are we? I'm going to begin by showing you some images from 2020. Um, Just giving you a warning, some of these images may disturb you, so I invite you just to give your attention to the screen. I don't know how much shrapnel is in your soul from 2020, but I have one goal for you this morning, and that's to encourage you in every way that the Lord Jesus is coming home. In spite and in light of everything that has happened globally, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, let alone if I saw images coming up of how you guys have experienced this year, or how I have, and in spite of the grief and the pain, and in light and in spite of all of that, the Lord Jesus is coming home to make everything new. That is my goal this morning. And today we're celebrating Advent. I don't know if you guys know this, but Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means the one who is on his way. The one who is on his way. The one who is coming. And it's literally Jesus is on his way. Jesus has come. And he's come before and he will come again. Advent is one of the gifts of the Christian tradition that brings us this time of year because I think if we wind down the year, work starts to wrap up, there's Christmas parties, we shift gears from thinking about work into just buying and consuming. That's just what the consumer calendar will do for us as we come into this year. And Advent is designed to disrupt that cycle, to put us in a place of really examining our longings. It's a time where we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but it's also a time where we long, we long desperately for the second coming of Jesus. And it puts us in touch with the holy angst, the right holy angst of the state of the world. It produces the cry, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And that's what we're doing today. I want us to pause, I want us to long, and I want us to hope. And the question is, in light of this year, in light of the state of the world, in in light of the state of our own hearts, where do you turn for hope? Where do you go? Where do you run to? Um, And it's been a year that's been quite easy to lose hope. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's quite easy to to lose sight of what's the meaning of all of this. And maybe it's in a a new vaccine. That's where our hope is. Once the vaccine's here, man, everything's going to be good again. It's all going to be brand new. It's a hope in new relationships. It's a hope in in the new job. Maybe COVID's forced you into a new job and you're actually like kind of killing it and loving it. But all of this is just a a short-term hope. And we know these, these things are all temporary and fleeting. And the relationships don't always pan out. And the jobs don't always give us the security that we deeply desire. And so I want to talk to you today about a secure and real long-term hope, which will allow us to face the trials and the grief of this life. And as I mentioned, we're talking about the second coming of Jesus, and, and for many reasons, 
we don't think about the second coming of Jesus in the secular world, but it's actually crept into the Western church. We just don't, we're not thinking about it. It's not in kind of the, the zeitgeist of, of who we are. I think the, the kind of temporal nature of Western world has, has crept into the church and even our theology in that. And essentially, this, this city, all the big cities in the world, Sydney, London, New York, they're designed for adult entertainment. They're designed to, to numb and distract and entertain us from the pain and grief in this world. Um, that's just that's the purpose of all of this. And we forget, we forget the truth of what it means that Jesus is coming home, even for the Christian, and the gravity of all that means. And for me as well, in preparing this sermon, I've been personally rebuked of how little I actually think about it. It's probably been genuinely maybe some good years that I've, I've, I've thought about, I've imagined and thought about not just him coming, but what it means when the new heavens and the new earth comes. I was actually speaking to a friend this week, um, and he's saying that he, he thinks about Jesus returning every single day. If he hears um, a backfire of a car or a funny sound outside, he's, he, he literally runs to the windows and he's looking. He's like, oh, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. The way I told that story, you can tell it was actually Alnaldo. But he's, he, actually, he said to me, he goes, every time I hear a funny sound, anything weird happens outside, I'm running to the windows because Jesus is coming back and it's about to go down. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what feelings come to mind when I, when I say Jesus is returning. I don't know if it's feelings of fear. Maybe it's just a doubt and a skepticism that it's happening. Uh, maybe, maybe you've lost hope. You've lost faith that it will happen. And therefore, functionally, we just live like everyone else. If we're lucky, we've got these 60, 70 odd years and we, we eat, drink, and be merry. Um, and I wanna, I wanna lift your gaze. I wanna, I wanna lift your vision of a Jesus that is returning and therefore to reflect on what that means for how we can live today and what it does to our hopes and our faith. The Bible reading today was from 1 Thessalonians, and it's actually written to a people that appear only after a couple of months of Jesus ascending. They've already lost hope as well. And I read this, I'm like, come on. Like some of you actually saw Jesus resurrected and hanging out with him, and it's only been a few months and you're losing hope and you're asking, oh, you know, when's he gonna come back? Like you know, our friends and family that have died, like what's gonna happen when they come back? I'm only 31, and I'm like, come on, guys, it's only been a few months. Don't lose hope just yet. But I think we resonate with that desire of, of just a losing hope. Is it going to happen? Is this real? Allow me to read from you uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This is quite simple, but really profound logic and truth. If you're a believer here, the basis of knowing that Jesus is returning is the gospel. It says it here, if you believe, verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, therefore through Jesus, because when we become a believer, we're united in him, we're united in his death, in his resurrection, and therefore, when we die, and those that have already died, we're united in him and will return with him. 
And for those of you that struggle to believe that this truth of even you believers that are like, is Jesus going to return? Paul's actually saying, if you believe the gospel that Jesus lived the perfect life, he died the death that we should have died, he rose again, and therefore we're united in him, we will be with him when he returns. It's really quite simple logic that Paul's actually, his focus here is, is your faith. If you believe the gospel, you will believe that Jesus will return. And it's actually through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we know that Jesus will come again. That these people that have already died, we, can, we, can, we know them, we can see them, those of us that have friends and family that have believers that have died, that you're actually, you're actually united in his death as believers. You're united, therefore, in his resurrection, and therefore you're united in him when Jesus will return and come back. And that in your physical death, we're actually knit together with Jesus. And as those that have died, and even as we die, we will therefore come with him because we're united with him when he returns. This is actually the power of the gospel. This is this beautiful truth that we're united in Jesus' death and resurrection and we're united, therefore, in his return. Based on my my parents' age and my grandparents' death, if I'm lucky, I've got about 40 more years left, give or take. Um, I like exercising. I'm not the best eater, so that kind of, that, that kind of 40 years is a bit of over-under, but I think ballpark, if I'm lucky, I could get there. And but then I will probably have about five, six, six years of declining health, and then I'll probably die. If that's all I've got left, um, and let's be honest, I'm not guaranteed that. If that's all I've got left, then the proximity to luxuries, the proximity to health services, the comfort and security of my home, and the proximity to cafes and to grandkids. If all I have left is 40 years, all of these things are so important. They're so important. How soon can I retire and how much will I have when I do? What kind of experiences can I get in before my body declines? And how much can I travel and how good would it be to travel? You know what I mean? And you know, maybe I'll get a camper van. You guys thought about that? Like Cal and I have dreamed about maybe, you know, maybe 65, let's get a camper van, go around Australia. If that's all I've got left, then that's all that will matter. That's all I will hope in. I will orientate my days and my weeks to that truth. But if Jesus is coming back, and he could come back before the sermon's over, I don't know if you guys thought about that, he'd come back in 20 minutes, or he'd come back in 20 years, or he'd come back in 20 centuries. If Jesus is coming back, none of this stuff really matters. And we see our striving and our material things and our hopes and goals in the light of eternity. It's nonsense. I hear people say, you know, you're too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. You know, you're just dreaming. You're one of those kind of like pie in the sky waiting for Jesus' return. You're just going to be no use here. I actually think the problem's the opposite. We're actually too earthly minded to be of any heavenly use. And if we, we, we dream and we envisage a day when Jesus will return and make 
everything right. And I think some of us feel it, and I feel this as well, when Jesus returns that he'll actually come to judge as well. And we feel that edge as well about what it'll do to the friends and families we love and know that don't know Jesus. This actually gives us an edge to our evangelism. It puts into perspective how we use our time, our money, our talents. It's nonsense. It's nonsense for those of us to say that we're too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. And why, why should we be dreaming about heaven? Paul continues in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will, will rise first. This kind of image of like trumpets and, and commands, it's actually quite a, quite a festive language here. You know, trumpets, loud music, it's actually, um, it's echoing kind of a heralding, a returning of a, of a ruler coming into town. And I just want us to, to zoom in on one thing here. The part where it says that Jesus is going to come back with a cry of a command. Um, I don't know if you've ever asked the question of this, you've read this before. Like, what will that command be? What, what will Jesus say when he returns? Um, when, I, when I was at SNBC, I heard a, a missionary from Africa teach on this passage. And um, he actually said, when he was teaching this back, back in Africa, one of his students put his hand up when he was doing this Bible reading and asked, sir, what will Jesus say when he comes back? And the missionary was a bit flummoxed by this question. Hadn't really thought about it. And he said, I don't know. Anyway, he, he went out and he came back the next day and he, he kind of pondered about what he'd seen as he'd gone over to Africa and he, he thought of the kids that had lost limbs to mines and he, he thought of the, the kids that had been orphaned by warfare and you see the kids that have been malnourished by famine and he came back the next day to the student and he said, I think Jesus is going to come back and his command is going to be enough. enough that will be the command that Jesus will come back and say enough and end to tears and end to oppression and end to grief and end to division and end to abuse and to disease and to death enough it's over now I don't know if that's right I don't know if that's right but theologically I think it's accurate you know, it's, it's the great Christian hope. Um, read with me Revelations 21, 1 to 5. And we get this picture of what it will be like when Jesus returns. This, this image, this vision of the new heaven and the new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. What an incredible vision of what Jesus will do when he, when he returns. That we will be set free from the sin and the crookedness of this world. The biggest thing that jumped out of me as I read that is this idea that he will, he will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. I don't know what you guys cry about. Um, and I think I don't like to present this because, you know, I come across as a, a typical emotionally repressed, repressed Aussie male. But I'm a bit of a low-key crier. I'm a bit of a low-key crier. Um, and the most recent time that I just wept was I heard a testimony from a Christian woman that just shared that she was molested when she was a child. And I remember going home that day and just holding my few-month-old daughter, and I just wept, just uncontrollable weeping, thinking of the pain and the horror of a young girl that has gone through that. And I long and I ache for the day that there will be no more tears and there will be no more pain. And there might be tears, tears of joy, but we don't have to cry because there's no more pain and there's no more suffering and there's no more grief. And it's just, it's devastating to hear of sin in the world and in us. And I think this is the appropriate response to sin, is actually to get angry, to have sorrow. But with the kingdom of heaven, when Jesus comes back, and he will lift the curse, and he will make everything that is crooked straight, there will be no more tears. I just love that image, that Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye. And furthermore, the great enemy, when Jesus returns, there will be no more death. There will be no more death. I don't know when the last time you had to bury someone or say goodbye to someone on the deathbed, but uh, July this year, I said goodbye to a really dear friend of mine. Um, She had a really cruel and slow degenerative disease, and she was in a wheelchair for the last few years of her, her life. And... I remember being in the hospital room in Taramara and I can, I, can see, I can see her skin tone and her voice and the smell of that room. It was, it, it was difficult. A few months later, I attended her uh, funeral in September and I just wept the whole way through. Just wept the whole way through that. She leaves behind three beautiful kids and um, I'm still very close friends with her husband. Just constant tears, and I remember we went to the wake afterwards, and I think all of this, all of this came home for me in this moment where I was just, I was stuck in a funk, in my own grief, in my own emotions, which is natural. And a friend of mine, we were just having a beer together, and he said, imagine the next time that we see Magella, she will be running. The next time we see Magella, When she returns with Jesus with her physical, resurrected body, she will be running. She will be running. One day, there will be no more sickness and death. Enough. No more. It's over. And as we close out, 
as we, as we reflect on 2020, as we think about Advent and these, the angst and the grief that's in our soul, how much unprocessed grief, how much tension, the temptation is to start relying on the things of this world, always. Just to, just to, to distract and to numb the pain. But I, want to, I just want to encourage you guys just to lift your eyes a bit with great difficulty with grief, to lift your eyes. Lift your eyes off earthly perspective, earthly solutions, earthly wisdom, and to lift your eyes and have a fresh vision of the kingdom to come. And a fresh vision of the Lord Jesus coming home and the completeness and the beauty of what he'll do when he comes back that day. Human rulers, they can, you know, they can fix up the economy. They can come up with a vaccine. Now, we, we can, you know, we can do live worship now, you know, governments get stuff done, but we still have such disorder and such anxious hearts if we're not connected to this future hope. The world needs people of hope. The world needs people of hope in the midst of this suffering and the grief. The world needs a community that boldly hope in a God, in their tangible expression of this hope. And why? This world desperately needs a glimpse of God and the world to come. That Jesus coming back, that he enters into our pain, into our suffering, into our mess, and so that we, as a friend, can be with him in future, in eternity future. So this moment, I'm just gonna invite the band up. Um, I couldn't think of a better way uh, to respond to this than to sing. Um, that as we, as, we catch, as we catch a glimpse of the things to come, as we, as we lift our eyes off temporal earthly solutions, that we would catch a fresh vision of the coming and reigning Lord Jesus. Um, and as we sing, we're actually, we're practicing for that day. We don't sing as kind of there's many purposes of worship, but I think a lot of us sing just as kind of, you know, a bit of fun karaoke. I haven't sung corporately before, but I wanna give you an image that Revelation, when we sing that every tribe and every nation and every tongue will one day come around the throne room and give Jesus the glory and the worship and the adoration that he deserves. And that there'll be a day when there's no division from our tribes and our tongues and we will be able to, with our voices, give Jesus the worship that he deserves. So I just wanna invite you guys to respond now, just in our hearts before we come to singing. Even just to spend time reflecting on his return, onto what the new heaven will look like. And possibly even to respond in repentance and in faith to actually say, Lord, I, I have been focusing on earthly, earthly things. I've been focusing on the, the temptations and the temporal things. I want to have eternal eyes. And when we sing, we worship a Jesus that is returning and he will come and restore all the things that are broken. He will come back and give us the hope and the vision of what this world should look like. So let me, let me just pray. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for 
for living the life that we couldn't live. Thank you for dying the death that we should have died. Thank you for rising in victory. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope and the promise that you will return one day and you will wipe away every tear. That death will be no more. That you will make everything that is crooked straight. And Lord, we feel in us the lack of faith, the lack of vision to see that. So, see that. so Lord, I just want to pray the gift of faith over, over me, over all of us right now to just a fresh inspiration of believing and knowing, believing that just as you died and rose, believing that you will come back. Lord, give us fresh faith and fresh vision, vision right now. And Lord, receive, receive these songs in adoration as you are worthy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.